David, we already know by this time, they've already exchanged the robes, meaning Christ. He gives us his sanctification. He gives us his holiness. That's what it represents. So look, look what the Bible says. Then Jonathan, Jonathan said to him, David, tomorrow is the new moon and you will be missed, meaning you will be recognized that you're not there because your seat will be empty. He's running for his life. Verse 19, on the third day, go down quickly to the place where you hid yourself when the matter was in hand and remain beside the stone heap. Look what Jonathan says. And I will shoot three arrows to the side of it as though I shot towards a mark. And behold, I will send the boy saying, go find the arrows. If I say to the boy, look, the arrows are on the side of you. Take them. Then you are to come. For as the Lord lives, it is safe for you, and there is no danger. But if I say to the youth, look, the arrows are beyond you, then go, for the Lord has sent you away. You may be seated, amen. Here's Jonathan, and he has his friend, his friend who he loves. Let's call this friend you and me, okay? We represent David in this story. Now, Jonathan represents Jesus, okay? Jonathan has given us identification. We are identified as Christ. The Bible says that God no longer sees us for who we are, but every time God sees us, he sees his son Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. He sees the holiness of Jesus. Brother and sister, holiness means you've been separated for God. Righteousness means in God's eyes you are right standing with God. So literally every time God sees you, whether you just walked into the home or whether you've been a church member 20 years, every time God sees you, it doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how much merit or time you have in the kingdom of heaven, when God sees you, he no longer sees your past sins. He no longer sees your past errors. He no longer sees your flaws. He no longer sees your shortcomings. He sees Jesus Christ, okay? He sees the power of God. He sees the glory of God. He sees the holiness of God. So right here, here's David. He's running for his life. Saul is jealous. Saul is hating. Saul is trying to kill him. So he's running for his life. And at this time, there's going to be a dinner. And Jonathan says, look, I know what I'm going to do. He says, when this dinner happens, your seat's going to be empty because you're running for your life. He says, and when your seat's empty and somebody says something about it, then I'm going to see what my dad says. I'm going to talk to my dad and I'm going to examine how he's talking about you. And if he says something good about you, he says this, then I'll come back to this place and I know you're going to be hiding over there by the rocks. He says, and I'm going to shoot some arrows. He says, and if I shoot the arrow ahead of you, then you're okay. You're good. You can come back home. If I shoot the arrow in front of you, that means that my dad's not trying to kill you anymore. But if I shoot the arrow past you, don't come back. If I shoot the arrow past you, my dad still wants to kill you. This afternoon, the title is The Far Arrow. I want to let you know that the devil is trying to tell people the arrow's past you. The devil is trying to tell the church the, devil's, the, the, the arrow's past you. The devil's trying to tell the world the arrow's past you. God doesn't want anything to do with you. God has no plans for you. You're too messed up. You have too many errors. You have too many flaws. You have too many shortcomings. The arrow's not in front of you. The arrow is past you. But I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, that's a lie from the devil. That's a lie from the devil. Look what happens here. First Samuel, same chapter, but we're going to read verse 28 through 33. Look what the devil tries to do. Look what the enemy tries to do. This is what he tries to do to the life of a believer. 
verse 28 through 33 look what the bible says jonathan answered saw this is at the dinner jonathan answered saw david earnestly asked leave of me to go to bethlehem because saw said where's david jonathan says oh i let him go visit his family look what the bible says he said let me go for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there so now if i have found favor in your eyes let me get away and see my brothers for this reason he has not come to the king's table now look what saul says look what the enemy tries to tell you church then saul's anger was kindled against jonathan and he said to him you son of a perverse rebellious woman literally in some trans this translation is being real nice but really in some translation he calls him you son of a prostitute now this is his mom <laughs> he's talking about about his mom he says you son of a prostitute you son of a perverse rebellious woman do i not know that you have chosen the son of jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness now in the book of leviticus if you were to see your mother's nakedness that was the most perverse thing you can do so i want you to see what saul's doing to jonathan jonathan is trying to save the life of david he knows what he's doing. He knows that God has chosen David. Brother and sister, I want you to know, you have to know, man, God has chosen me. God does not make mistakes. God is never going to preach to you his good news. God is never going to let you hear his gospel if he doesn't want to do something in your life. See, the scripture says that God has ways to keep a rebellious, disobedient man living in disobedience so that he can face judgment. If God sees that a man or a woman is rebellious towards him 100%, God literally says, I'm not going to let that man, that woman, approach repentance. Remember how John the Baptist told the Pharisees and Sadducees, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? See, so God has a way. If he sees a man or a woman that literally hates him, just doesn't want to do anything with him, God says, okay, I'm going to leave you living in rebellion so that you can get judged. I'm going to let judgment approach you. But if you're hearing the gospel today, or if you've heard the gospel this week, or if you've heard the gospel five years ago and you got saved, God doesn't make mistakes. He chose you for a reason. He wants to do something in your life. So Jonathan knows what he's doing. Jonathan knows that God has chosen David. Jonathan knows that David defeated Goliath. Jonathan knows that David has the anointing. Jonathan knows that David is a mighty warrior. Jonathan knows what God wants to do in David's life. But look what the enemy does. He tries to tell Jonathan, you don't know what you're doing. You're just the son of a nobody. You're the son of a perverse, rebellious woman. And the same shame she has, you have. See, the enemy tells you, you really are not a man of God. You really are not a daughter of God. This is just a fantasy. This is just a feel-good moment. This is just a moment because you got in trouble or because you had needs or you had problems and maybe you grew up without a dad maybe you grew up without a mom maybe you grew up in foster care and this is just something that your subconscious is longing for this is just something that you in your heart you've always desired you've always desired love you've always desired acceptance and then here's these people from this church they show love they show acceptance so this is not real this is just manipulation this is just 
something that you're experiencing right now. This is just something that your subconscious is longing out for. You have a missing dad syndrome. You, you really just want a dad. So you really are just emotionally distraught. The devil tries to tell you. This is all just fantasy. This is all just fake. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you're going. See, Jonathan already had a plan. He already had a mission. He said, David, I'm going to talk to my dad for you. If I shoot the arrow forward, that means you're good. If I shoot the arrow past you, that means don't come back. So the devil saw what Jonathan was trying to do, church. He was trying to save the life of David, God's chosen servant. But right before, as he was on the journey trying to save the life of David, God's chosen servant, the devil moves in. The devil moves in. See, in the book of Revelation, you read how when the woman was going to bear the child, when the woman was going to have that son that was going to save people from their sins, the Bible says that that devil, that ancient serpent, rose up against the woman. And the Bible says that he let out a, a rushing water against that woman. He let out a flood against that woman. But then the Bible says that the ground soaked up the water, the ground drank up the water, and that was God. See, waters in the Bible can represent people's words. Waters in the Bible represent when a multitude of people come against you. Waters in the Bible represent when a multitude of problems just rush upon you. They just come upon you in the matter of seconds. Do you know that scientists think that the Grand Canyon was made after hundreds of thousands of years because of a little stream and the water, you know, the water was just corroding and eroding the rocks and, and the water just made the canyon. But you know that that's a lie. It didn't take millions of years because the earth ain't millions of years old. You know, there's a canyon. There's a canyon in Colorado that when people look at it, they say, wow, I wonder how many thousands of years it took to make this canyon. And a scientist, a Christian scientist, he was saying, you see this canyon? It was huge, brother and sister. It was, it was miles. I mean, it was just a huge crevice, just a, a multitude of canyons. He said, people can look at these canyons and they can say, oh, man, it, it must have taken thousands of years for these canyons to happen. He said, but in reality, he says, when I was a little boy 40 years ago, a dam erupted and those tons and thousands of tons of water spread through this valley and made this canyon 40 years ago. He said, this canyon happened in three minutes. This canyon was made in three minutes. Church, do you know what the strongest type of cutting is for metal? It's called hydroblasting. And do you know that they have water mixed with sand in a little, a little funnel about this big? And they shoot it out with thousands of pounds of pressure per square inch. And they mix it with sand. And do you know that it can cut steel up to half inch thick? They cut steel, not with the blowtorch, not with the laser. If somebody would ask you, how can we cut this half inch steel? You would probably say, oh, you need a blowtorch. You need a laser. You're going to need some type of strong saw. They no they don't use that they use water mixed with sand and it cuts through the steel see water is very powerful and the devil has water and the devil has his people and the devil has his lies but guess what god also has his water and god also has a power that wants to rush upon you the same way the devil wants to rush upon you with his lies, with his worry, with his doubting. The same way the devil wants to rush upon you with his anxiety. That's the same way God wants to rush upon you with his Holy Spirit. That's the same way God wants to rush upon you with his truth, with his security. 
So at this moment, Saul is rising up against Jonathan and he's rising up against him. He's even making him question his birth. Like, man, you don't even deserve to be a prince. You don't even deserve to be in this palace. You're just the son of a prostitute. Can you imagine if Jonathan would have started listening to his dad? And look what else he tells him. And this is just how the devil tempted Jesus. He tempted him with food. He tempted him with fame. And then he tempted him with the pleasures of this world, brother and sister. See, the Bible says that there's three things that never fill up. The ocean, the grave, and a man's eye. They never fill up. And the devil knows that. The devil knows that he can get a multitude of mankind if he can put something in their eye, if he can place an evil in their eye. See, the Bible says if all you see is light, then you have good. You have light inside of you. But the Bible says that if all you see is darkness, then how great is that darkness that you have inside? See, the devil wants to point a dark light in your mind through your eye. He wants evil to rise up within you. So the same way the devil tempted Jesus with food, with power and with the pleasure of his eye see the devil don't change his strategy brother and sister and we're about to read since he can't get him since he can't get his son jonathan we're talking about his mom saying you're just the son of a prostitute you're nobody so since he can't start questioning his stability in the kingdom look what the devil does let's keep reading all the way to verse 33 after he tells him about his mom look what he says he couldn't get him with talking about his mom questioning his birth if the devil can't get you to question your faith then the devil would try to desire something else than the spirit of god and look what he tells him for as long as the son of jesse lives on the earth neither you nor the kingdom shall be established therefore send and bring him to me for he shall surely die saul says look okay i take it back your mom your mom wasn't really like that you know i really had some feelings for her. i take it back i take it back but then he starts saying but if he's still alive you're not going to be able to be the king if you're still alive then you're not going to be able to rule so you have to understand something god has plans for you and the plans of god are good and the plans of god don't bring any type of affliction to you the bible says in the book of jeremiah i have good plans for you says the lord plans to bless you plans to prosper you plans for a hope and a future says the lord God wants to do things in your life that are not only going to affect you, but they're going to affect your family, your parents, your children, your cousins, your aunts, your uncles. God wants you to be a funnel. God wants you to be a way towards a blessing, not just for you, but towards your family. But the enemy's going to try to come and play mind games with you. The enemy's going to try to come and play tricks on you. And then if he can't play mind games, if he can't play tricks, the devil's going to come and wave a bone in front of you. Just like Brother Zachariah was preaching how he was in the home and he would see other people leave the home and get married and do this and do that. I was, I, I was rejoicing because that's the truth. That's the truth. That's, that's, the, that's the classic battle in the home. You, you have a leader in the home. You have a counselor in the home. And he sees a homeboy leave rebellious and he rose up to church with the... With the what do you call it? A Chrysler 300 with 22-inch rims. And a gold chain and a gold ring and a, and a girl walking next to him. And a cell phone. And the leaders in the home are just burning with jealousy. And the devil's playing the same trick that he's playing with Jonathan. 
You see, as long as you're here, as long as you have this false hope, as long as you have this false reality, as long as you have this false dream, you're never going to rule. You're never going to rule the kingdom. You're never going to have it. See, the enemy, brother and sister, he wants to shoot a far arrow. He wants to shoot an arrow in your life that makes you feel you can't come back. Let's read. Look what the Bible says. Let's keep reading all the way to verse 33. Then Jonathan answered, saw his father. Why should we put him to death? What has he done? He overcomes the lies of the enemy. Verse 33. But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. See, the enemy, when he speaks a lie to you, he doesn't want you to go and enjoy your life. When the enemy speaks a lie to you, he wants to destroy you. He speaks a lie that looks good. He puts a fear in your mind that makes sense. He makes you feel anxiety that makes a lot of sense. But in reality, if you walk away from what God wants to do in your life, he's really just trying to kill you. I mean, look at this. Jonathan you man, my dad is really trying to kill David because he's even trying to kill me. The Bible says he threw a spear at his own son. Brother, sister, the devil ain't playing fair out there. The devil wants to destroy you, your parents, your children, your family. The devil wants to totally obliterate everything that you represent. He wants to take you to hell. He wants your life to be lost. He wants you to experience something that the Bible calls the second death. Meaning eternal separation from God. Now I want you to know, in our lives today and in this world, the arrow's not far. The devil wants you to think the arrow's far. The enemy wants you to think the arrow's far. But the arrow's not far. The arrow's really close. As Brother Zechariah was preaching in the book of Isaiah, how God was speaking about that arrow. God was making a special arrow. Let's go. Let's turn to the Bible in the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 13. Look what the Bible says. This is what God wants to accomplish in your life. 2 Kings 13. We're going to be reading verse 14 to 21. The title is The Far Arrow. So Jonathan goes out to the field. He knows David is by some rocks. And he shoots an arrow. And then he tells the young boy, go. The arrow is past you. Go and don't come back. David knew what Jonathan was trying to tell him. Don't come back. It's not favorable for you here. There's no hope for you here. There's no future for you here. See, the devil wants to scare you. You're never going to be able to show your face with your family ever again. You're never going to be able to show your face in your neighborhood ever again. You're never going to be able to stand up from this. You're never going to be able to rise up from this. God's never going to use you. God's never going to do something in your life. How can he? How can he, after the things that you've done, the places that you've been, the thoughts that you've thought, how can God do something in your life? God can't do it. The arrow's past you. But the arrow's not past you, church. The arrow's in front of you. Let me show you something. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14 through 21. This is Elijah after Elijah. You know, Elisha, the name Elisha means salvation of God in the Hebrew. Did you know that? It means salvation of God. Now, so this is a king called Joash. The name Joash means destroyer or he that burns up. So I want to give you an example. Right now in this story that we're about to read, we represent Joash. Elisha represents God. Salvation through God. And we're Joash's. Do you know that when you come to the Lord, God makes you more than a what? More than a 
what's more than a conqueror? If someone conquers a city, I mean, if you've won, that's good enough already. Do you know that the Bible says that when Babylon came and destroyed the temple, the Bible says that they didn't leave no stone on top of each other. And do you know that Jesus, he prophesied the same thing. When they rejected Jesus, he said that no stone was going to be left on top of each other. That's more than a conqueror right there. That's somebody who comes in, wins the battle, and then pounds and stomps that nation to the dust. That's more than a conqueror. Do you know that that's who you are in the kingdom of God? God doesn't just give you victory, but he gives you the authority to totally conquer and step and, and pound the devil's plans in your life totally until they become dust. That's God's plan in your life. You're more than a conqueror. Amen. Now, let's keep reading. Look what the Bible says. Now, when Elijah had fallen sick with the illness of which, which, of which he was about to die, Joash, remember that represents us, more than a conqueror, he who burns up, he who despairs, he who gives no hope to the enemy. That's what the name means, he who despairs. Joash, king of Israel, meaning he who overcomes with God. That's what the name Israel means, he who overcomes with God. So you're an overcomer, you're somebody who gives the devil no hope, and you're in front of the salvation of God. Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him. I know that all of us in this place didn't come to Jesus with a million dollars in our pocket. None of us in this place came to Jesus with high hopes. He wept before him, crying, my father, my father. The Bible says that Jesus has given us the right to call God in heaven, Abba, Father. Which literally means, Daddy. At this time, he could have called Elijah Father. But if he tried to call God Father, they'd stone him to death. Do you know that's the reason they crucified Jesus? Because he, he called himself the son of God. And if you call yourself the son of a God, then that means that you must be a what also? That means you're a God also. So they stoned Jesus because he called himself the son of God. So this man is calling Elisha father. Brother and sister, me and you have a greater, a much greater privilege. And me and you have a much greater honor than this man had at this time. We can call God Abba, which means daddy. That's amazing. He says, my father, my father. He says, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, meaning we're about to get whooped. The enemy's in front of us. The devil's in front of us. We're going to be destroyed. We have no hope. The arrow is too far. The arrow is shot past us. Now when Elijah, let's keep going, verse 15. And Elijah said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. And he drew it. Brother and sister, God wants you to walk by faith. God has given us his word. God has given us his message. God has given us 66 books in the Bible. And sometimes we wish that we can know more about God. Don't worry. One day you will know everything God knows. One day the Bible says you will see God face to face for you will be like God. You will be like God. Does a God need to be taught anything? Does a God still lack knowledge of anything? The Bible says one day you're going to be like God. One day you're going to know everything there is to know. You're going to know how the earth started. You're going to know everything that any human being ever did. You're going to know how these species adapted and became so many different species. You're going to know everything. You're going to be an A++ student when you get to heaven. But right now, don't try to figure out everything. Believe the words that are in front of you right now. If the Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, walk by faith. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
If the Bible says he takes you from victory to victory, from triumph to triumph, walk by faith and know that he's going to take you from victory to victory and triumph to triumph. If the Bible says, if the Bible says I can do all things through Christ, I can go through nakedness, I can have much, I, I can be hungry or I can be well fed, I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, you can do all those things through Christ. You can overcome anything, any obstacle that comes to your life. Believe the word of God. Trust the word of God. So here's this king, the destroyer, the one that leaves the enemy with no hope. But instead of leaving the enemy with no hope, right now he has no hope. And here he is in front of the salvation of God, Elisha. We're in front of God's salvation. We have Jesus Christ living inside our souls, brother and sister. We have Jesus living inside our souls. We've been washed we've been cleansed we've been redeemed we've been bought with a high price i mean god has done so much for us already so he tells him get this bow in other words get my words ready get the promises of god ready then he said to the king of israel draw the bow and he drew it he believed he started walking by faith and elijah laid his hands on the king's hands when god sees that you begin to walk in faith when God sees that you believe his word, he's going to anoint you, brother and sister. He's going to anoint you with victory. And you might say right now, but I don't know how to live the Christian life. See, something about a king. When he grew up, he was taught how to fight. But I'm not talking bad about police officers. But usually police officers, when they're young, they're in shape because they got to pass a physical fitness test, right? But once they've been in the service a little long, not all, but most, they get a little bit out of shape. That's how it is. They get a little bit out of shape. Or an NBA player, NFL player, once they've been out the league, not all, but most, they get out of shape. Check this out. The king probably had a shot of bow in years, church. He's the king. He's probably got off. His, his aim's not the same. Sometimes when I don't play basketball for a month or two weeks, three weeks, and I'll shoot my first shot, it'll be off. And I'll be like, man, my rhythm, you know, the flow of my shot is it's not there. So can you imagine this king trying to shoot this bow? His accuracy's not there. It's not there. That muscle memory, it's not there. But what does God do? He touches his hands. You might say, I don't know how to live this Christian life. I don't know how to apply the Bible in my life. I don't know how to have faith. I don't know how to believe. They tell me love. I don't know how to love. They tell me forgive. I don't know how to forgive. They tell me just trust God. Walk by faith. I don't know how to trust God. I don't know how to walk by faith. They tell me believe. I cannot believe. This seems impossible for me. Well, get close to God. You know what he's going to do? He's going to touch you. He's going to touch you. Right now, you don't know how to apply the word of God? Approach him. He's going to touch you and show you how to apply his word in your life. You might not know how to love. You might not know how to forgive. You might not know how to have faith. Get close to him. He's going to touch you. He's going to show you how to love. He's going to show you how to forgive. He's going to show you how to have faith. You might not know how to live in ministry, how to live this Christian life. Get close to him. He's going to touch you. He's going to give you the ability you need. Look what happens. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow he drew it and elijah laid his hands on the king's hands meaning when you walk by faith god will touch you god will anoint you let's keep going and he said to him open the window eastward and he opened it then elijah said shoot does anybody remember 
Does anybody remember when, when, the, when the Red Sea was split open, the Bible says that a wind came from what direction? An east wind. It was coming from a cursed place and it was heading towards the promised land and it split the Red Sea. Does anybody remember where the prodigal son went to? The Bible says he went to a land that was eastward. Every time the Bible mentions a land that is eastward, it's speaking about an ungodly place. It's speaking about a sinful place. It's speaking about a carnal place. It's speaking about a place of bondage, of slavery, of doubt, of oppression, of depression, of anxiety, of lacking, of poverty. That's what the Bible represents an eastward land with. So here's Elijah and he's telling this king, the destroyer, the one that burns up. Here's the power of God telling this king, open the window towards the east. You have to know, before you win any kind of physical battle, you got to start winning the spiritual battle, brother and sister. You got to win the battle in your spirit. You got to win the battle in your mind. Man, I've been through situations. I've been through situations in my life where the enemy will tell me lies that seem so real. I mean, you talk about Steven Spielberg and you talk about all these these producers and directors that make Transformers and all these, you know, this, these graphics nowadays through the computers and how they look real. Wow, graphics look so good. You see the old school graphics and you can literally see that puppet. You can literally see the costume where it's divided at the hem. But all these graphics have gotten so good. No, the devil is the best producer, church. The devil has the best graphics and he'll speak to your mind and he'll put a movie in your mind and he'll put these graphics in your mind he'll put fear and he'll put anxiety and he'll put doubt and he'll put depression and he'll put oppression and he'll put anxiety and you're just like whoa this is this is so real and you even begin to get cold and you even begin to sweat and you begin to be fearful i mean it even affects your physical body but god is telling us today Open that window where the devil lives because he lives towards the east. And he says, and I want you to pull back that bow. Church, do you know that bow is Jesus Christ? That bow is Jesus. And guess what? You don't have to make it. You don't have to form it. He's already made. He's already formed. He's made by the hands of God. Remember how David got five stones from the river? The Bible says in the book of Daniel that one day there was going to be a small stone that was not cut by the hands of man. The Bible says that this small stone not cut by the hands of man was going to strike the empires of the world and totally destroy them. And then that small stone not cut by the hands of man was going to grow into a huge mountain. And the Bible says that that mountain was going to be a place for all the nations of the world to live on top of that mountain. But key word, a stone not cut by the hands of men. When David got those five smooth stones, how were they smooth? They were not made smooth by the hands of man. They were made smooth because of the river, because of the sand, because of the erosion that was happening. They were made smooth. God is doing something in your life right now. He's making you smooth. Not only you, but God has already cut that rock that was not cut by the hands of man. His name is Jesus Christ. He's already formed. He's already established. 
he's already conquered he's already had the victory jesus already defeated the devil at the cross jesus already defeated sin at the cross he said it is finished it is done it is complete see sometimes we still think man i still gotta have victory over sin no you have the victory over sin you just have to walk in that victory you have to step in that victory so look what happens he said open the window eastward he opened it he's listening he's obedient then elijah said shoot and he shot and he said the lord's arrow jesus of victory the arrow of victory over syria for you shall fight the syrians in aphek until you have made an end of them look at this he's fearing something that hasn't happened and god is telling him you already have the victory over something that hasn't happened he says right now right now i'm giving you the victory before you even fight brother you have the victory right now before you've ever even fought the Bible says, all my ways are written in your book, Lord. My rising up and my sitting down, my laying down and my waking up, they're all written in your book. When you walk by faith, you are literally fulfilling the role in God's movie that he has established for you, that he has prepared for you. When you walk by faith, you're fulfilling what God wants to do in your life. He says, I've given you the victory. Verse 18. And he said, take the arrows. He shot an arrow, but he still has some in his hand. He said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. Do you know that the name Philistine means from the dust? In the Hebrew, the name Philistine means from the dust. Who were the biggest oppressors of God's people in the Old Testament? The Philistines. Where did Goliath come from? He was a Philistine soldier from the dust. Where was Adam made from? From the dust. When we die, where do we go? Back to the dust. What's a man's oldest problem? Let me answer for you. His sinful nature. That's the oldest enemy that we have. This sinful nature. Once Adam disobeyed God in the garden, he received a sinful nature and it's been plaguing God's people ever since. It plagued the life of David. It plagued the life of Samuel. It plagued the life of every prophet in the Bible. It plagued the life of every king in the Bible. But it did not plague the life of Jesus Christ. And look what happens. He said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. Church, this represents when God grabs Jesus and he strikes our enemies. He strikes the flesh. He beats in at the cross. And he struck three times and stopped. Now, we think that's good enough, hitting the ground three times. But do you know what's our biggest problem sometimes as people? We put expectations on God. We put limits on God. We put borders on God. We put borders on God. Do you know that space doesn't have a border? Do you know that right now we're on top and China's below? Or is China on top and are we below? Do you know that once you go out to space, you don't know what's up and you don't know what's down? space has no borders do you know that god has no borders he has no limits but our biggest problem is that we try to put limits on god we try to put borders on god so he hits it three times you notice elijah didn't tell him how many times to hit it when god calls you he tells you believe me he doesn't tell you how strong to believe him and he doesn't tell you how long to believe him he just says believe me the option is how much are you going to believe God? 
The option is how long are you going to believe God? How much steps in faith are you going to take? Look what happens. Verse 19. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. So Elijah died. I want you to see something. He got so angry at this king. He said, man, you should have hit it five or six times. If you would have beat them five or six times, they would have lost all hope. This man's name, Joash, means he who desolates. In other words, he who leaves people feeling hopeless. That's his name. It means he who leaves somebody feeling hopeless. Remember back in the early 90s and late 80s when Mike Tyson was whooping everybody who got in the ring with him? Everybody in less than one round, in less than 30 seconds, he was whooping everybody. When people would get in the ring, sometimes I see highlights. When people would get in the ring, Mike Tyson was my height. He was 5'11", too, but he was just a little bit stronger than me. He was 220 pounds of pure muscle. 220 pounds of pure muscle. 5'11", you see these guys get in the ring with them, 6'5", 6'6", and you see them, even though it's not possible because they're taller, but you see them when they're getting in the ring, they have no hope. They're looking down. They're looking down the whole time. They're, they're telling them the rules, and they're looking down, and Mike Tyson's just looking at their face, and they're looking down. They've already been beat. They're walking into the ring with no hope. This man, Joash, his calling is to leave the enemies of God feeling hopeless. His calling is to burn up the plans of the devil. His name means he who desolates or burns up. Church, the plan of God for your life is to burn up the plans of the devil he has for you. To burn up the plans of the devil he has for your family, for your children. I, the last two days, that's been in my heart real heavy. Real, real heavy. The calling of a man. The calling of a man and woman of God. That's been in my heart real, real heavy. Do you know what the devil wants to do to the men? The devil wants to take your masculinity away. The devil wants to take your manhood away. See, nowadays in this world, people don't know what a man is. See, when God made you a man, he made you hard-headed. Did you know that? He made you stubborn. Did you know that? People say that, oh, you're so hard-headed. You're so stubborn. That's how God made you. He made you like that on purpose. Because the Bible says the woman was deceived, not the man. The man was enticed. Can you imagine if the serpent walked up to Adam first? Hey, eat of this fruit. Adam would have been like, no. Hey, but it's real tasty. No, but it's real good. No, he would have been real hard-headed and real stubborn. God gave you that anointing to be hard-headed, to be stubborn in the things of God. So when the devil tries to come and lie to you, say, no, but look at this. No, you be stubborn in the things of God. You stay strong-headed in the things of God. Now look at this. But the devil wants to come and take away that security, that stubbornness, that hard-headedness in the kingdom of heaven. The devil wants to come and take that away from you. you you're called Joash. You're, you're the one that's supposed to desolate. You're the one that's supposed to take all the hope away from the devil. That the devil will look at you and say, man, I can't beat this guy. I can't whoop this guy. I can't trick this guy. I can't entice this guy. I can't deceive this guy. I can't do nothing with this person. But the devil knows if I can take his manhood away, then I can take his hard-headedness away in the things of God. And once I take his hard-headedness away from the things of God, then he has no more strength. He's supposed to be the head of his house. He's supposed to be the covering of his family. He's supposed to be a head in God's army. If I can take his headship away, 
And if I can take his covering away, then I can make him a double-minded man. And if I can make him a double-minded man, a double-minded man who's unstable and on his ways, like the book of James says, then his family has no covering. Then his children have no covering. Then his church has no covering. Then his disciples have no covering. And his family becomes double-minded. And his church becomes double-minded. And his disciples become double-minded. And a double-minded person cannot be blessed by God. Because they're unstable. That's what the devil wants to do in, his, in God's kingdom. Make you unstable. That's what he's trying to do in the life of Jonathan. You ain't nothing but the son of a prostitute. You ain't nothing but the son of a shameful woman. Plus, if David becomes king, you can't be king. He was trying to make him unstable. But Jonathan was a man of God, brother and sister. He was a man of God. He knew how God had appointed. And you, he knew how God had anointed David. And he wasn't selfish. And he didn't listen to the lies of the enemy. This king right here, even though God gave him victory, he put limits on God. He put borders on God. But I want you to see how the Bible gives us, gives us an illustration of how we should believe God. He gives us hope, the reader. He tells us, the reader, look, this king only hit three times. But I want to show you how much power is in my name if you believe. Look what the Bible says. So Elijah died, and this is what God is trying to tell us. Now, let's put away what happened in the life of Joash. The story didn't finish the way God wanted it to finish. So God has to finish the story and give us his example to give us more hope, stronger faith. So Elijah died. He's a dead man, a dead man, a dead body, a dead cadaver, a dead corpse. So Elijah died and they buried him. Now, bands of Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. Look at this. And as a man was being buried... Behold, a marauding band was seen, and the man was thrown into the grave of Elijah. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elijah, he revived and stood on his feet. Look how God finished the story for us. He's saying, when you believe me, don't just hit the ground three times. Don't just trust me three times. He says, let's put away what Joash did. Now, I want to show you what a dead man can do, but not just any dead man, but a dead man that believed me with his whole heart, even in his death. When somebody dead touched him, that dead man became alive. Brother and sister, look what happens in the life of a believer when you believe the Lord, when you trust the Lord, when you don't see the arrow like it's too far, but when you know that God has given you the victory, that Jesus has given you the victory, people are going to speak to you and they don't even know why, but they're just going to begin to feel hope. People are going to come around you and they don't even know why, but faith is just going to begin to spring up. You're going to preach messages or you're going to testify. You're going to witness. People are going to see your lifestyle and just a little bit of faith, a little germ of faith, a little sprout of faith is going to begin to grow in their life. That's God's mission. That's God's plan for you and I. That we have victory even in our death. That we have victory every single day. For us to know, hey, the arrow's already been shot through the east window. You already have the victory. Don't put limits on me. I want you to hit the ground five or six times until the enemy is totally destroyed. Brother and sister, don't just believe God five years. And in those five years, don't just believe God a little bit. Believe God with the rest of your life. And in the rest of your life, believe God with all your heart. Let's all bow our heads in this place. Every head bow. Every head bow. Right there where you're at, I'm going to invite you. 
If you want to tell the Lord, Father, I want to believe you for the rest of my life. I don't want to hit the ground just three times. I want to live up to my name. I want to leave the enemy feeling hopeless. I want to burn up all the plans of the enemy that he had for my life. The Bible says that he delivers us from the hand of the fowler. He who lays a trap. Lord, I want to destroy all the traps that the enemy had, all the plans that the enemy had, not just in my life, but I want to be used to give victory to other people. I want to be used to bring power to other people. I want to be used to burn up the plans of the devil in my neighborhood, in my city, in your kingdom, Lord. I want to be used. If that's you, if you just don't want to hit the ground three times, but you want to hit the ground five and six times, if that's you, I'm going to invite you that you repeat this prayer this afternoon.